Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, we are having a vision Sunday this morning. Isn't that exciting? Talk about our church. This is one of those rare Sundays where we are just going to talk about the church, right? So many times, well, really every other Sunday of the year, we're talking about us, you, our individual relationship with Jesus. But this one day a year, we're we're definitely going to talk about you and your part in that, but really the church. I'm always inspired by the way that some churches, like I look at Hillsong Church a lot, or um, some of those those big ones, they speak about the church a little differently than the average person. They have this love for it. Jesus created the church. He was the first person in the Bible, in history, to utter the word church in quite this way. He invented it. He commissioned it, and his Holy Spirit came and started it. It's a, it's a beautiful beautiful thing. But today I want to go to the story of Nehemiah. We talked about this a little bit before service in Bible trivia, and it's one of those stories that we don't talk about very often. Nehemiah is, it's not a a big story. It's not David and Goliath or, you know, Noah's Ark or one of these stories that we talk about a lot. But it's very, very important in the Word, and the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah this week just captured me. I couldn't get away from them. The Holy Spirit kept dropping it into my soul. And so I want to share it with you today. And now I'll just tell you sort of the highlights, those first four chapters. I do encourage you to go back and read them though. Uh, but Nehemiah is, he's a cupbearer in a king's household, not his king, another king, because Israel has been obliterated by by war. Another country came in, they kicked him out, they they just destroyed their precious, beautiful Jerusalem. To an Israelite, Jerusalem was everything. It was home. It was family. It was God himself. It was where the temple was. It, it, all of life centered around Jerusalem for the Israelites, and it was in rubble. All the people either killed or sent off to slavery. They had disobeyed God. Really, this was the reason for all of this, their, their disobedience. And God was saying, you know what? Until you get your act together, you need a little time out, right? And so they are, they're in time out. They're, they're actually in slavery in other nations, those that are left, and they're scattered. But it's time to come back home. And so they begin to, to go back to Jerusalem, now, Nehemiah is serving in, in the king's household as a cupbearer, and one of his brothers comes, and he says, look, Nehemiah, um, things aren't good in Jerusalem. They're not able to rebuild the wall that they're trying, but these enemy nations, they keep, they keep coming in, and they keep trying to stop the progress, and, and it's just not going well. They're just not able to, to rebuild like they had hoped. And Nehemiah... He reacts a little bit differently than I think you or I would. If our home city was in this condition, we would probably be sad, right? Feel like we lost our favorite places or our favorite parks or whatever it is. But to Nehemiah, this is home. This is God. This is everything. Part of his very identity, okay? And so he sits and he weeps for days, he sits in the ashes, and this is what they used to do to show mourning, and he fasts. He doesn't eat for days. He sits and he cries for days, and he cries out to God. you got to think he's probably feeling a little hopeless right about this point. And I have to confess, I have I've been there a little over the past year, past few months. I've been weeping and and crying out to God for what feels like a church in the rubble, right? This past year beat us up. Not only were were we forced to sort of be more apart than ever, but we didn't agree on anything, (laughs) right? There was no unity left within the church. We let everything come between us. At least it felt that way. If it wasn't COVID stuff, it was politics stuff or racial tensions or just, I mean, so many things going on in the world and so many opinions and we let it get between us as the church too not just freedom valley the church the big c church god's church 
right? Certainly felt that way to us. And Aaron and I have had so many conversations of just praying for the church. God, bring us back to unity. Bring us back to the, the one thing, the thing we all should be focused on, Jesus, and the mission that he's given us. Right? You all know you have two lead pastors, right? And I'm pointing over here because Aaron's sitting here. <laughs> Right? It's not just me doing this. Aaron is absolutely as much of the decision maker and leader of this church as I am, even though I almost got him up here today. So close. So close. Maybe next time. Right? But we, we've been praying for the state of the church for months and months, just crying out to God, God, what do you have for us? Where are we going here? What, 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 what can we do next? To inspire us, to bring us back to mission, right? We felt a little like Nehemiah. Now, a lot of people stopped being involved in church this year. It was easy to stop being involved in church this year, right? I've talked to so many pastors. We were so excited about online church in the beginning of COVID stuff a year ago. So many people were watching all of our streams. Everybody was involved and invested. It was amazing. And then it was like two months in, everybody was like, where'd they, where'd they go? <laughs> Nobody's watching anymore. And they watched, but maybe later, maybe they caught the podcast later. But it was like, we felt all this momentum at first. And then it was like, pe people stopped giving. We stopped tithing. We stopped telling people about Jesus. So a lot of us stopped reading the word, watching online. We stopped praying at all. We, we let our Bibles gather dust on the shelves. It, it was a rough year, y'all. Right? We got comfortable on our couches in isolation. A little lazy, a little comfortable, and I, I think I've been a little like Nehemiah, just in, in mourning. He sits and he weeps. For days he mourns and he fasts and he cries out to God, but then there's an opportunity. And you'll notice this is what happens when you begin to pray in earnest. Right? When you sit in the ashes and you fast and you just, you cry out to God. There always comes an opportunity. God is a way maker. Right? He makes a way where there is no way. That's what he does. He opens doors that didn't even exist before. Amen? So, Nehemiah happens to be in the king's presence once again, and it's the first time he is looking downcast, which I think is significant. Nehemiah is generally a pretty positive guy. But it's the first time, the Bible says this, it's the first time he is in the presence of the king sad. And so the king says, apparently he's pretty fond of him. He says, what's up, Nehemiah? What's going on? Why, why are you sad? And he begins to explain, my, my, my precious Jerusalem, it's in rubble. It's in ruins. Nobody can seem to rebuild it. I'm just, I'm, I'm heartbroken over my people, my nation, my, my home, my city. And the king says, well, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? This is the king that probably helped with the destruction, or at least the nation that did, right? But he says that now he's saying, what can I do to help? And so he actually sends him back to Jerusalem. He says, go and take care of it. Take as much time as you need. And here's some lumber, some, some materials to help with the rebuilding. And so Nehemiah goes back and he, he offers his leadership to it. Even though the city of Jerusalem, his home city, the place where his God resides, even though it's in ruins, he still loves it. He loves it. He loves his people. His ancestors have been buried there, he said. He, he's got family. His heart is there. And so he goes back and he offers his leadership to fix it. It's going to cost him, right? It's going to take him out of his comfort zone. It's going to require humility of him. But he goes back. In Freedom Valley, what I believe God is telling us today is it's time to go back, to begin to rebuild our precious Jerusalem, our precious church. Look, we believe, Aaron and I believe that God is breathing new life 
into this church. Not just this church either, but the, the big C church, the church of Jesus Christ. He's, he's been breathing new life and new vision back into us over, over the past year. Some of us have been able to hear it. I've heard from so many of you lately that have been hearing from the Holy Spirit. You've already said to me some of the things I'm, I'm going to say to you today. It's amazing how God is speaking to each and every one of us, and he's calling us back to the church, back to the overall mission. And those of you watching online, I'm not saying it's necessarily butts in the seats, right? It's involvement in the church. I know Lisa Late, for example, I brag on her often, but she's social distancing. She's at home. She's watching from home, but she's leading an online home group. Right? She calls me sometimes and says, how, how else can I help? What else can I do from home? She's on almost every week. She's commenting. She's taking care of people. She's saying hi to people online, right? You can very much be a part of the church without necessarily having your butt in the seat. I'm not talking about just attendance today because I, I don't know that just attendance is what we need right now. It's a passion for the church is what we're talking about today. This new life a new vision he's breathing back into us is the mission that he's called us to 2,000 years ago. It hasn't changed all that much in 2,000 years, which is amazing in and of itself. The thing that God called us to, that Jesus commissioned us to, that the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do is reach people for Jesus, to make new disciples, go into all nations, making new disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what it says, right? That's the mission. That's what we're called to do. We're still called to do it 2,000 years later. And we believe we have been called to such a time as this. Those of you that are here, that are with us, whether online or, or in the room, we've been called. Not just me and Aaron. Not just Jason, Chris, and, and the, the staff around here. Not just those of us that are up on stage serving you all, but you have been called. You have been commissioned. Amen? I hear crickets. I need some amens in the house. Okay, you're still with me. And again, there have been times, I I, I don't want to heap shame on anybody. There have definitely been times where even I have been, I, I described it as, I feel like I'm falling out of love with the church lately. Right? I used to stand in the back and just feel like this is home. <laughs> like I know no other home than this. Yes, I absolutely literally grew up around here. Right? I did. I've always been a church kid, pastor's kid. This is I was here more than I was at home probably growing up for sure. But this is it's more than that. This is home. I identify so much with Nehemiah. This is it's it's identity. I love the church. Not for, again, not just Freedom Valley Church. The church. She's beautiful. Even in her imperfections, she's not perfect, right? But she's the bride of Christ. On mission with Christ. One with Christ doing the work he has called us to do. And she's not perfect, but beautiful. On the other side of that, that heartbrokenness, I feel energy again. There is a fresh wave of vision again from the Holy Spirit. Just like Nehemiah, I feel called to go back. I feel like rebuilding some walls, y'all. That's what we're going to do. And we are entering this new season, right? I've been preaching about aspects of this for two months now with, with Answered Prayers and the Wellspring series. We have been... I feel some of it already coming. but But the bottom line is God is calling us to a season of overflow that we're not quite walking in yet. Right, that this overflow that's meant to come out of us, this Holy Spirit move out of us onto the world around us. We're we're so close, but we're not quite there yet. It doesn't feel like it's it's naturally coming out of us. And from the beginning, I felt like from God, it's not going to naturally come. We're gonna have to work at it a little bit. We're gonna have to do our part, meet the Holy Spirit where He's at, right, and and do the the disciplining hard work of like that song said, make room for Him. A lot of us have cluttered up our lives with things that don't matter for eternity. The church, her mission matters for eternity. There's one thing that's, that's worth your time, your effort, your, your money, your resources. If, if, if there's anything on planet Earth that's worth it, it's the church. 
I can't take anything with us except people into this next life. It's, it matters so much. And, and I believe we have been called to go back, to begin rebuilding some of these walls that we've, we've allowed selfishness to sort of obliterate our faith in some places. We've allowed the enemy to come in and to overtake our city just because we've been disobedient. We've been lazy in some cases. We've allowed the enemy to come in. and It's time to go back and rebuild some walls, some walls around that selfishness. When Nehemiah, he gets back to Jerusalem, as we saw in the Bible trivia questions, right? He takes three days and he surveys the land. He doesn't tell anybody his plans yet. He just walks around and he looks, right? He sees what's what. He's taking stock. And then he goes in front of the, the elders that are left in Israel, and he says, look, I have a plan. We need to get to work. I don't care what opposition is out there. Right? I've got some resources behind me. I've got the king's approval. Let's, let's do this. What are we waiting for? Let's rebuild some walls. And so he gets to work. They say, yes, absolutely. And they get to work. He organizes the people. In fact, there's a whole chapter. Is it chapter, Nehemiah chapter 3? lists all of the people that actually do the work. Nehemiah isn't listed in there, I don't think. I didn't see his name anywhere. Right? He, he isn't actually the one doing the work himself. He is organizing the people to get to work. And they did. It, it says some, the priests took this one section and this other tribe rebuilt the gate. And, and almost everybody who lived along the wall took the, the area right outside their house. And they rebuilt. Not everyone did everything. Nehemiah himself didn't rebuild the wall himself. They had to work together, right? And one person can't do everything, but everyone can do something. This mission God is calling us to, it's something that will take all of us. Every single person that calls Freedom Valley home, whether in the room or online, is going to have a part to play. We can't sit around and expect everyone else to get the job done for us. Aaron said not to let you off easy. His words. <laughs> so don't let them off easy. They, we all have a part to play. When any one person holds back in the kingdom of God, we all suffer. The Bible says we're like a body, right? We can't all be hands. We can't all be feet. We each have our own part to play. And when one person holds back what God is asking of you, we all suffer. We are the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. And we can't sit around and expect everyone else to get the job done. We must, each of us, be asking God, what is my role to play? How can I help? And so Nehemiah begins to get, he, he gets to work. He gets people organized. And then, no sooner that they start to get some traction, right? They get half the wall built, I think. And the enemy comes back, right? There are all these surrounding nations that don't like that Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it used to be a superpower, right? Now, they don't want Jerusalem to be a superpower again. That's dangerous. The favor of God is dangerous to those that aren't living under God's rule, right? And so, they, no sooner they, they, they get traction, the enemy comes back and they begin to attack again. And this is the verse that stood out to me. Nehemiah 4.9. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. I couldn't get this verse out of my head this week. God was saying, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city. We prayed to our God and guarded the city. We prayed and we guarded. A little bit later, Nehemiah 4.14 says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord and fight. Right? Remember and fight. Pray and guard. Remember and fight. See, I think a lot of us as Christians, we try to do one or the other. We pray. Oh, I'll pray for you. Right? I'll, I'll pray, but I'm not fighting for you. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not helping with the situation. I'll, I'll just pray. That's enough. Right? 
We remember the Lord. We worship. Right? We, we do one. We go halfway. We get the spiritual stuff right. But it's amazing. Uh, all throughout the word, it over and over and over reminds me it is not just spiritual and it's not just physical, the practical. Jesus' ministry was both, always. Spiritual and practical. It was both. And we see it here again. Pray and guard the city. Remember the Lord and fight for your families. Pray and guard, remember and fight. And some of us do the opposite, right? Some of us are fighters, workers, right? We'll do all of the right things. We'll volunteer. Our time will practically live at the church. But we don't, we don't do any of the spiritual stuff behind it. Worshiping God, praying to God, asking him for his guidance in what we're doing, but we're just worker bees. It's got to be both. Pray and guard, remember, and fight. We have always been a church that wants to help people find Jesus, move forward, and do something with our faith. And this is no different. We're going to pray and we're going to guard. We're going to remember and we're going to fight. We're finding freedom over this next year. That's the job. We're, we're moving forward into the future of what God has for us. We're going to do more with our faith, more for the gospel. So many of us are still stuck in rubble from whatever happened in the past. We let the enemy get over the walls. We let him in. We, we've been a little lazy, a little selfish. Right? We haven't been obedient to God. And the enemy got a foothold in our lives. And we're we're... We're maybe remembering the Lord, but we're still living in the rubble. It takes a little work to build those walls again, to keep the enemy out. Right? And God says, I can help, certainly, but you got to meet me there. You got to rebuild some walls so I have a house to dwell in again. Pray and guard, remember, and fight. In a lot of ways, I think, I think our church is, is in the rubble. Right? We're living in some vision from the past, some things that are keeping us chained in the past, some ineffective vision that's been happening in the past, and we need to move forward into the future. 2020 will hit our church just the same as it did every other one. Right? We, we need to move forward, but it's not all in God's hands, and it's not all in our hands. It must be both spiritual and practical. Right? We have to... Pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to us, right? That's where you say amen. Amen. We're going to dig that well like never before. Like we just came out of that Wellspring series, right? We have to focus on the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ, and allow it to flow out. It must be both. Pray like never before and work like never before. And we have some goals for our church this year that, that go right along with this. Our, our goals, number one, are to see more people tithing and giving sacrificially to the causes of the church. Like a lot of people stopped tithing this year. And honest to goodness, a lot of churches aren't going to make it because of 2020. You'll see a lot of churches closed down in 2021 because we, we stopped. We, we held back. We got stingy. And yes, some people lost their jobs too. And I'm not, again, I'm not heaping shame right? There are a lot of things out of our control this year, 100%. But we have to give resources to the beautiful bride of Christ to remain on mission, right? We have to see it flourish. And our goals this year, see more people tithing and giving sacrificially to the causes of the church. You know, our youth are leading the way in this, right? You heard last week about their Speed the Light fundraisers. They're, they're giving toward missions, which is beautiful and amazing. They have a, a goal of reaching 5,000 to give towards Speed the Light missions. Um, but that's not, it's not the only thing. It, the, the causes of the church, the Bible actually says there should be enough food in the house, in the storehouse, in my temple. And we have to be giving to it. The sacrificial giving breaks selfishness. That's what it does. I've seen it over and over and over again. People that begin to tithe, they see it just break off them. Right? They, their heart is suddenly in on the mission. It changes things. Right? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about, about 
all of the things we're talking about here, and I'm going to tell you how it also affects you, but today is about the church, right? If you're only giving to get, it's not sacrificial giving. It's not actually um, in service of the Lord. It's in service of you. It's, it's selfishness, right? Sacrificial giving breaks selfishness. Some of us, our faith wavered in 2020, right? We, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and so we... We hold back, we get stingy, we, we get very careful, right? And the first thing to go is tithing into the church, but that's it's trusting in yourself and not in God. Look, when I was a young Christian, I, I remember thinking, you know, we were young adults, first married at the time, it was tough making ends meet. I remember sitting in front of my computer looking at, I think I had a spreadsheet or something of the bills and looking at, should I tithe this week or shouldn't I? Can I actually make every dollar stretch? And I remember sitting there and just feeling this, this conversation between me and God. God said, do you trust me? Do you? Do you actually trust that what it says in my word will happen? Do you trust enough to be obedient? Because if you don't trust me enough to be obedient, you're disobedient. And it just hit me like it's never been so clear before. I sat there and I said, I can't bring myself to say, I don't trust you. Because I do. I love the church, even as a young adult. Before I worked here, I loved the church. It was home. It was where I grew up. I knew Jesus there. I saw lives change. I can't tell you how many miracles I've seen around these altars. People set free. People I knew changed completely 180 degrees they are different because of what happens here I know it's real I sat there I said I I can't bring myself to say I don't trust you I do I know that what your word says is true and I know that if I tithe you're gonna take care of me you're gonna meet my every need according to your riches and glory that it's not actually about me at all so I'm gonna tithe I know the numbers and I know they're not gonna I, I can't pay my bills this week if I do this but I'm going to do it because I can't bring myself to say I don't trust you. That is honestly simple as it gets. Do you trust the Lord or don't you? Is that harsh enough? <laughs> Tithe to the, the local church. Pour your heart into it. Pour your resources into it. And we have plans this year behind the scenes. I, I want to give you just brief bullet points on that too. Right, we've seen, we've had some vision over the past few years that just is, it's being ineffective right now. We don't want to pour more resources and time and energy into it. For example, the land across the street, right? We've been moving towards having a freedom house over there and, and developing that land someday. But right now we haven't gotten permits in five years to build. <laughs> it's not happening. We're, we're gonna, we only have a, a quarter maybe of the funds we need to, to renovate that house. It's not happening. It's ineffective. Nothing is happening. Is God a God of ineffectiveness? He's a God of productivity, right? We have to be productive with the resources that he's given us. And so we're going to sell the land across the street. We're going to trust God that he has vision for us moving forward. We're going to reduce our expenses every month, right? Get on the same page moving forward. This is actually what Free the Future has meant to us around here for a while. It's more financial almost than anything. We're freeing up the future of what God has for us from a very practical perspective. We have to stop pouring resources into things that aren't effective. Look at what God is blessing and pour it into that. I want to be an effective church. We saw four people give their lives to Jesus last week seven people the week before that. We baptized four people last week, right? We saw five new families, I think, come through the doors last week, maybe three the week before that. I know these numbers because they're deeply personal to me. They're everything to me. I love the church. I love seeing lives changed in the church. Why not pour every dollar into that fruit, right? Why not give everything that we have into that mission and calling? 
lives have been changed that are sitting in this room today? How many of us can say that Freedom Valley has changed something in you? And not the church, not the building, not the four walls, right? But the Jesus that is here. When we all gather together in his presence, there's power here, right? You felt it today during worship. I know I did. The Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts and minds in this house. I want to pour everything into that. I want to remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for my family here, my home here. And so I have this little card, actually, if you want to pull that out in your bulletins or if you're watching online today, you can go on the app and go to the sermon notes. There's a free the future little form. Right? What is God calling you to give? What is God calling you to give? Some of us, we're not giving a full 10%. We never have. We, we, we want to step out and say, God, what are, is that what you're calling me to right now? And just a heads up, he's calling every believer to that. Right? Maybe it's, it's I've been tithing faithfully, but I need to stretch myself. I need to start giving more into this. Right? Every extra, maybe there's some extra right now. I, I need to, to give that. What is God calling me to give? But this isn't just about finances. Free the future isn't just about resources. In fact, uh, it's so tied to our hearts, right? And so our second goal this year is going to be challenging ourselves to bring more people than ever before. But not just bring them into the, into the house, bring them into the church, telling them the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this year I've seen a lot of people a lot of Christians telling people something. It's not always good news, though. I've seen a lot of Christians being the bearers of bad news, in fact, especially online, where it's probably least effective. Right? People that don't understand that to, you can't just be an Old Testament prophet anymore. Jesus came and he, he changed all that. Right? But they look at these Old Testament prophets preaching doom and gloom. It doesn't work like that anymore. Jesus came. He broke the yoke of tradition and religion, and he came to bring good news. He commissioned us to bring good news. We have hope. It doesn't matter how dark the world gets. We have hope. What I want to see this year is more people sharing that story. Right? Not just saying, you know what, my, my church is cool. We wear jeans and there's loud music. You know what I mean? You should come. <laughs> Yeah, I brag about that too. It's fine. It's good. I love it. But that's not, it's not the point of church. Amen? Jesus is here. But he's also within you. You carry him outside these doors and you share that good news with the world. I want, I want to see more of us saying, Jesus changed me. That's why I go to church, because there's other people that Jesus changed there, and they encourage me, and they, they teach me new things, right? We worship together, and, and our hearts are one there, sharing the gospel. I want to see us learning how to share a testimony, how to write our own testimonies this year. Your story is the most powerful, because nobody can tell you that didn't happen. It happened to me, Right? I know how Jesus has changed my life. Can I be there for you? Can I tell you about it? Maybe he can change yours too. I know he can change yours too. Right? More people telling people. I'm, I'm praying that when I talk about these things, that every single one of you would have a name or two or three or four names in the back of your mind. That this is who I'm praying for right now. I want to tell you my names, but they might be watching today. I don't want to. I'm praying for them every single night. God, bring them. God, help me. Help me have the opportunity to share with them. And let me minister to them. Let me be there for them. Let me be the person they come to when they're in crisis. Right? Give me an opportunity to share. If you don't have those names in the back of your head, begin to pray. God, who can I share the gospel with? Like, who can I help set free through Jesus Christ? Who, who can I tell my story to? This is the overflowing concept. We keep, we've been talking about the wellspring for weeks, right? You can't be a wellspring without overflowing onto somebody. 
we're called to share the good news. Who are those people? Are you praying for them? But not only that, are you fighting for them? It's not enough just to pray. We must also guard the city. It's not enough just to remember the Lord. We must also fight. Pray and guard, remember, and fight. Are we praying for those people? Are we fighting for those people? And number three, our goals for this year, we're going to challenge you to serve each other like never before. Not just serve our communities, right? Not just outreach beyond the walls of this building, but to serve each other. And not to, we've said this through the wellspring too, but not to see the church as a place to take from, but as a place to give to. And not just finances, but just you, your gifts, your talents, your abilities. We are suffering without those things. We all must be serving each other. Now, there are people that serve around here that might as well be speaking Greek when they talk about things. Like Aaron speaks Greek in a lot of ways. Like musical gear, don't understand it. Media stuff, all these smart people in the back, don't understand any of it. Right? We would all be suffering, especially in 2020, if it weren't for them, because I know nothing about any of that. Aaron knows more, way more than me. Maybe he could have pulled it off. Right, We could have gotten it done together, but not like they do. They served us so faithfully in 2020. We people in the back that are passionate about children, bringing Jesus to little ones. Do you know it's like something like 85% of Americans that our believers credit their belief coming from between the ages of four and 14. They got saved between four and 14, 85%. Meaning it's kind of rare for you to get saved after the age of 14. Only 15% of believers do. It's so important to be ministering to them. In fact, we wanna pour more resources than ever into kids and youth ministry around here because it works. And again, we're looking at the effectiveness God is a productive God. He prunes things that are not productive to make them more productive, right? It's another one of the wellspring concepts we learned. That's what he does. We're going to pour more into our kids and youth ministries because it works. Because we see lives change forever. I can't tell you the effect kids and youth ministry has had on my life. I mean, I grew up watching my peers make just Decisions that were fun in the moment, but hurt them for years and years afterward. That brought so much pain into their lives. And I got to, I had the wisdom of God because other people poured it into me, right? Through no credit to myself, it's because of other people poured that into me as a kid. We can give that. We should be giving that. We have to give that to the next generation, Raise them up to be world changers. World changers have come from this house. They will continue to come from this house. We have to see people poured into it. You can tell I'm a previous kids pastor. I could preach all day on this. Jesus was a kids pastor. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The disciples wanted to shoo them away. Right? Get these little troublemakers out of here. Jesus said, don't stop them. What are you doing? Let them come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. But Jesus loved kids. He had a heart for kids. We need more people giving in to kids and youth around here, serving them, pouring into them, showing them Jesus. Maybe it's, it's pouring coffee. Right? Ministering to people as they come in in the cafe. I know coffee is a ministry. Amen? It ministers to my soul. <laughs> hey, more people. More people loving people in our cafe. More people loving people in the lobby. Just uh, noticing when somebody's new and, and needs a tour. Needs to know where kids' ministry is, where the bathrooms are, where the free coffee is. Right? Serving each other. Each of us has a role to play. Where is God calling you to serve? He's calling us to give more to tell more, to serve more this year, to go back to home, to rebuild the walls of selfishness, to keep the selfishness out, rebuild the walls of our city, of our home, serve each other. 
What is God calling you to give? Who is God calling you to tell? And where is God calling you to serve? As the band comes, I want to tell you one last verse in Nehemiah 4. Because as we begin to walk into these things as a church, there will be opposition. I know this because there was thousands of years ago with Nehemiah too. The enemy attacked. As soon as they saw progress happening, the enemy attacks. And he finds you when you're spread out, when you're isolated. He finds you when you're weak or when you're working and your back is turned and you don't notice. Like these are the times he finds you. But Nehemiah 4.19 says, Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, and then our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. As we are faithful with the little bit that we have, as we use what God has called us to use, He is going to meet us there. The Israelites may not have had enough people to cover all their ground, but they had their God. God will fight for them and he will fight for us. We may not have enough people. We may not have enough finances, enough resources, enough enough knowledge, enough talent, whatever it is. We are not enough on our own. We were never meant to do this job, this mission that Jesus commissioned to on our own. We're meant to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. When we use what God has given us, he will fight for us. Our job is just to give more, tell more, serve more. This is how we free the future. We prune to become more effective than ever. We move forward into the future, challenging ourselves to do more than we ever have. Look, currently, you know, in the past, our church has been tied down to some vision that no one is running with anymore. Passion fades, leadership changes. It's not always someone's fault. There's no blame, but these things happen. And to free the future, to make our path straight and clear again, we have to get focused, fierce, faithful. A house divided on itself will fall. We have to get unified. A walk in unity together on mission giving more, telling more, serving more than we ever have. Focused on just being the pure, beautiful bride of Christ. Not perfect, but beautiful, vibrant, passionate, selfless. This is the church. Giving, preaching the gospel, serving one another. The early church in the book of Acts met in each other's homes regularly, broke bread together, they ate together constantly. Right? They watched each other's kids that they gave to each other. They, it actually says they shared everything they had. A beautiful picture of what God has called us to be. We've, we've been talking about the wellspring over the past few weeks. Are our gifts overflowing? My gift is organizing chaos. Aaron's gift of leadership. We are gifts to the church and we see ourselves that way. We are meant to serve the bride of Christ. That's what we've been called to. We've been called to such a time as this. Like Nehemiah, we can lead this rebuilding. We're actually both first children. <laughs> Leadership gifts in us since birth. Both been prophesied over all of our lives. You know, we'll be leaders someday. And we didn't always like it. But God has called us to this for longer than we probably even know. Together. We're married on mission together, leading this church. And we've both been called to it, I think, our entire lives, spoken into it and prophesied over. We stand on the shoulders of so many people that gave into us. We want to be that for others. For the kids and youth of this house, we want to push them forward, allowing them to stand on our shoulders to preach the gospel. And there are so many that are already doing it, powerful world changers in this house. Don't you want to be a part of that? I can't wait 
to see what God is going to do through us when we're we're unified, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and Aaron and I, we're not going anywhere. In fact, we're headed into the future of this church with more passion than we've ever had, more focus than we've ever had. We're ready to leave behind the old and walk straight into the new because God is doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. New generation, new focus, new vision. We see an overflowing church when we think of Freedom Valley. Overflowing with love and compassion, and joy, but also overflowing with people, right? With finances, with resources, with buildings and locations to get the job done of, of reaching our world with the message of the gospel. I see entrepreneurship drawn to this house, business people drawn to this house, seeing it as their mission in life, what, what they're called to, to resource this house because they believe in it, because their lives have been changed here. And I see marriages being saved in this house. It's just like it always has been around these altars people being prayed over, miracles happening here. I see a church flourishing, thriving because of what God is doing here. We are prayers and we are garters. We remember the Lord and we fight. Who's ready to fight with us? Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you did last year, the year before that, God's challenging us to more this year. Ask him, God, what are you asking of me? I hope everybody has multiple things to write in each of these. The names of the people that you're praying for right now. Write exactly what God is calling you to give, exactly where he's calling you to serve. And I want to pray over these with you. We're going to take moments here. In the next few moments, we're going to take just a moment and, and write in these boxes because I'd like to pray for you. I know how God is challenging me and my household. I want to pray for you too. I want to know who's, who's with us. So I would just challenge you, grab a pen, grab one of these cards. If you're watching online, go to the sermon notes. You can fill it out right there. We're called to die to our sinful, selfish nature. And, and believe me, I get it. When some of us are, go are going to fill this out, you're going to feel some sadness of things God's asking you to give up. You're going to feel some anger, maybe. Sometimes when we talk about giving in church, this anger comes up in us. Well, they just they just want more. What, they just want raises. I don't know what people think. I guarantee you nobody's getting a raise this year at Freedom Valley, okay? That's not what this is about. It's about resourcing the house of God, the place that we all love, the place where life change happens. And I'm not apologizing for asking it anymore. Jesus did talks about money almost more than any other subject. So I'm not apologizing. Okay? Give more. Tell more. Serve more. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how God will bless you because of it. But today's not about me. It's about this house. It's about the mission God has called us to. It's important. It's vital. I'm not begging. I'm just commissioning. I'm the messenger here. Again, I've already heard from so many of you so many of you that have come to me and said, I feel God telling me I need to, to serve somewhere. We talked about Roger's text last week. He saw an overflowing church and he knew it was on him to help with that. Right? I'm already signed up for kids ministry. He said, what else can I do? I'm looking for something else. God's calling each of us to something. What is that thing? Giving into the house of God. Look, I'm not in charge of my own life anymore as a follower of Jesus. I, I don't get to say where my money goes, where my free time goes, who I serve and who I don't. I call Jesus Christ Lord. I have willingly become a slave to Jesus Christ. He gets to tell me what I do with myself, with my life, with my resources, with my time. I've given him that control. We're going to be more disciplined, more focused than ever. We're going to be about changing the world with the message of the gospel. Behind the scenes, being super focused with our finances. We're being focused on 
getting through 2020, certainly on staying afloat, on paying the bills and keeping the lights on so we can continue to preach the gospel in this house. We're focused on paying down debt, cutting our expenditures to as little as possible. So in the future, we can pour more resources into the gospel message. But what happens behind the scenes is determined by what happens here. What happens here is about our hearts. What is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit whispering to you right now? Not just asking for more prayers, I'm asking for more fighters. It must be both. That we would all fight in the spiritual and the physical. That God would give us a heart for His house. We'd be passionate about it. We'd see more people digging into the Word and reaching their friends for Jesus. Not just more butts in the seats again, but more warriors in the spiritual. The highest form of spiritual warfare, by the way, is obedience. Remember, Israel wouldn't have fallen to their enemies in the first place if they hadn't been disobedient. We have to stay obedient, and God will fight our battles for us. We're going to be fierce passionate and disciplined this year. I see an overflowing church. It's time to go back. It's time to rebuild the wall. We're going to ask the band to sing a little bit as we each consider what God has called us to. And I just want to encourage you to take a moment. Close your eyes. You can stand. You can sit. Close your eyes and just focus. Worship God. And listen, what is he calling you to do? I I want us to get into this posture of discussion with him. What is God calling me to? God, what, what are you doing in my heart through this? I want us listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit here. He's gonna breathe new life today. Infuse us with new passion and vibrancy today. New vision for the house of God. There will be people filled with the Holy Spirit in this next moment. That's what he does. Commissions us. He gives us a heart for people. Just stand where you are. Lift your hands to him. Close your eyes and just ask him. Holy Spirit, come. Empower me. Commission me. What would you have me do? What is my part in my church, in the house of God? Let's sing. this song it talks about your way is better I know that when I do it my way it sucks nothing works so when it comes to finances or serving or whatever God's called us to why do we always rely on ourselves and always default to ourselves like we know better God's word is true she's We've seen the evidence. And if you like what you've been getting, just keep what you're doing. But if you want to see God's blessing and God's abundance in your life, then be obedient. Obedience isn't optional as a Christian. It's not like we can pick and choose when we're obedient. It's about submitting to what he asks us to. And it's not comfortable. It's not easy. And sometimes it's scary, but he says he's going to take care of us. He takes care of the lilies of the field, the birds of the, the birds of the sky. Why wouldn't he take care of us? The Bible also says, test him and see. So what do you have to lose? Test him. He says in the Bible, test him in this. And you have nothing to lose. And um, just stop doing it our way and let's just be obedient. I did get him up here. Let's sing.
those things just break. They just break. And you no longer have a desire for that thing that you know you shouldn't do anymore. So you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, sometimes it takes some work and some effort, some time. He heals those things over time. But sometimes they just break. And I just feel like somebody in this room today needs some stuff to break. You need to give it all to Jesus, to just cry out to him, to release that control and ask him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you today, I want to give you that opportunity. And it's, it's so simple. Just ask Jesus to come, thank him for the forgiveness that he offers and ask him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you today with heads bowed and eyes still closed, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Keep those hands raised. The usher might come in and give you a little card just explaining that decision. But today, I'm going to ask all of you in the room to just repeat this prayer with me. We're just going to give our hearts to Jesus. But everybody in the room say... Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for me. Today, I accept his forgiveness. I give my life to Jesus. And I ask him to be the Lord of it. From this day forward, I am a Christian, I am a believer. Today is my spiritual birthday. I'm a new creation in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Some people, today is their spiritual birthday. Can we just celebrate? I saw a few hands in the room. It's your spiritual birthday. A new creation in Christ. You get to walk in that freedom, and he will begin to break down those walls in your life as you submit your life to him. Now for the rest of us, the Holy Spirit is moving. I, 
I have already heard from so many of you. He's already pushing you. And that's why this isn't just me challenging you. It's been the Holy Spirit challenging us. It's time to go back. It's time to rebuild some walls around the selfishness we've allowed to creep in. And it's time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's always going to push you to do more, to give more of yourself to Him. Jesus called us to die to our selfish, sinful nature. Death is not pretty. (laughs) It's tough. Jesus went through crucifixion for it, right? If he never gives us another gift, that was enough. Enough to give my life to. That's how I repay him for that, by giving it to other people. Fill this part out. I would love to pray with you this week. I'll probably reach out to all of you individually, fill this out and just thank you, pray with you. Put it in in a bucket. There'll be an usher in the back to collect them so I can look all over them and pray them. God is nudging. Be sure to listen. Free the future. Not just the future of the church, but over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about your future as well. How God can take those chains off. How, How we tie ourselves to our past so often. He wants to free the future in your life, to give you freedom and hope, give you a plan for your life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you before we go today. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us the gift of the church. Thank you for giving us a and and evangelists and teachers and preachers that speak into our lives. Thank you for empowering us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving each and every single one of us a job to do in this mission. Thank you for calling us to something, that our lives are not meaningless. They're not worth nothing. They're meaningful because of what you've asked us to do. God, I pray that you would empower us today, that your Holy Spirit would fall on this place like never before, that each of us would walk out today feeling like we have a mission, a goal in life, we've been given an opportunity to give more into the kingdom of God, to invest in this house, to tell more people the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to see their lives set free through his power and to serve each other with compassion and goodness and faithfulness. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is God good or what? Amen. Love you all. We'll see you next week.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.